Wasn't Future Sync fantastic, Tom? <laughs> well, not this again. Didn't you have such a great couple of days? Everything went perfectly. My talk was... I mean, I do know this because I have actually already recorded the talk. I, I uh, didn't make any... Uh, no major mistakes, anyway. Well, certainly no mistakes that you didn't edit out. <laughs> yes, yeah. The joy of uh, editing. Did you enjoy it, Tom? <laughs> I enjoyed your talk because I've seen it. I haven't seen anything else. I'm certain I will enjoy it and that it will be amazing. But um, was amazing. Yeah, let's start. No, let's stop it. Right. For, for those at home, we are recording after Ed has recorded his talk for Future Sync, but before it has been broadcast. So before the event has happened. But the podcast will go out after it's happened. Yeah, that's not confusing at all, is it? Oh, it's not. It's fairly straightforward, <laughs> but let's just get it. Let's, let's get that out of the way. So I have seen your talk because you've recorded it and you wanted some feedback. Was it the? F did you do it in one take or did you have multiple recordings? I did it in one take, but I edited it out a little bit because I got about two thirds of the way through and then I had a complete blank. In fact, I had a blank when I was trying to mention some of the names of our episodes and I just completely forgot every single question we talked about. So I said, oh, we do some, I, I, I have a podcast, we do some uh, episodes such as and then I completely forgot. So I I, I, I cut it there. <laughs> There's a bit I cut out. So you can, about two thirds of the way through, my, my body kind of goes, whoop. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, and, I didn't even notice. I don't think people yeah, noticed there you that. Go. Yeah. Um, but other than that, yeah, it was one take. I feel like that's more with the theme of uh, a conference. So there are a few little mistakes in there, but, you know, got to live with that. Makes yeah. it more real. And it's so the vibe is as live is what you're going Yes. For. But it did take me about maybe 15 to 20 takes to get past the two first two minutes. Yes. <laughs> so there's familiar. a few little funny recordings of me uh, maybe using some inappropriate language <laughs> after the 15th time that I got, I messed something up. I kind of just got to one bit and kind of just in my mind, I just couldn't say what I wanted to say every single time. And it was always in the same place. And then I just changed, I decided to, I'm just going to change exactly what I was going to say. And that helped. <laughs> it's a very different, it's a big difference in the format between something pre-recorded and something live. Cause you don't get to do that on stage. <laughs> no, no. And I imagine if it was live, I'd have just carried on. Oh, yeah. It would have probably been fine. But it's, I think it's the fact of knowing that you can just stop it. <laughs> that that was what threw me. And when you do it live, you, you have, you have less, there's less, problem with stopping and collecting your thoughts and then continuing i did that last year when i was presenting uh, at future sync in fact i got to a certain point and had like you said a mental blank on what i was going <laughs> to say next but you just stop take a breath have a cup of water look at your notes carry on and it's fine it recorded that feels really odd and it just totally breaks your flow yeah i did leave a uh, a water sip in there <laughs> i know i just felt it was very strange or maybe i should have edited that out but there's a, I've been talking for all that time and then I just went, ooh. Well, you know, that, that's like a part of keeping it natural. Um, if, you talk, you, like, you, if you're fatigued from talking for that long, people are probably fatigued from listening as well. It's like you, you want to work on, like pacing is important in these things. I mean, when I was a teenager and one of my jobs was editing stuff for a podcast, like, there's a hop, it's like a kind of weekend job. Um, and I cut out all the ums and ahs and dead space from an interview and it just sounded really weird <laughs> like, the feedback i got from the person i was doing it for was like 
I appreciate all the effort, but why? <laughs> it sounds unnatural. I, th- I think that happens a lot in audio editing, doesn't it? You feel like, oh, I'm just going to cut out all these ums, etc. And then you end up uh, with something that sounds unnatural and strange, like a robot would have probably said it. Yeah. Um, um, so there you go. That's why I leave all the ums in, Tom. Not not so I can get the edit done quicker, just so I, it sounds more natural. <laughs> well, getting getting things done quicker is a, a pleasant side effect, but what you're doing is you're go, you're making sure that your content proceeds at the speed of thought and not faster. If you go faster than the speed of thought, people aren't going to keep up with you and it's not going to have time to, to sink in. Yeah, it is a quite a strange thing to, uh, to record it instead of speaking in front of people. What I'm used to is speaking in front of people. Like I said, um, when we were speaking to Tony just before the, uh, the week of the conference, but yeah, I think once I got past that two minutes, I kind of got into my flow and you kind of get into the zone and it, it generally flows more easily once you get going and i think that's the case up on stage as well did you find that when you when you did your talk yes yeah absolutely when you get there's a a rhythm that comes to it and the rhythm is different recorded versus on stage but it's still a rhythm and when you're in a place with people there's always the feedback from the audience to to use as well so you can actually like you can (laughs) pause for laughter or as, (laughs) as i had to do like look accusingly at them and say, it says pause for laughter here. <laughs> that's, that's a good one to have in the bag. That's a, that's a, a trick. It's, it's like co- comedians have um, stuff in their back pocket for to deal, for dealing with heckler, hecklers. You need stuff for when your jokes fall flat, <laughs> when you're doing a tech talk. Luckily, in the video format, I had no hecklers <laughs> and also no laughter. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a mix, mixed bag. I think I prefer doing that kind of presentation in front of a lot of people. I find it weird without feedback. Um, yeah. For context, so that people know that I'm, what my experience is in this, I this week have also recorded a video talk. I, um, my, As we mentioned last week, my appearance at JS Day in Verona this year has had to be cancelled. They've rescheduled and I can't do the, the rescheduled day. Um, so I thought I'd get that talk recorded and, and online on YouTube. So that was a fun process, mucking around with cameras and lights and things but i think i don't think i'm going to do that talk again because i've done it i did that it's the same talk i did at future sync the year before so i think that talk is done i'll do something else in the autumn or next year Mm. so as you might have figured uh today we're going to talk about some tips that we've both picked up from doing talks whether at a conference or online as well recorded in front of the camera which is a as we've discussed already, uh, basically a completely different experience. Yeah, I think before I think we should maybe start with the similarities because there's a lot that does tie those two things together. Like the preparation is pretty much the same. Preparing a slide deck like is much the same. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people like the recorded stuff is people can do more like screencasts. Uh, mine wasn't that. Mine was a delivery of a presentation. Yes, as was mine. Um, and, and so the prepar- so the preparatory stages for that are very similar to preparing for a live talk. So you, you've still got to think about what you're going to say and how you're going to structure it and all that. So, yeah. You know, what, what did your process look like? Were you mad scramble to like, get your slides together uh, before the, before recording, or did you have it all done in a lot of with a lot of time to spare? Shall I go for fifty percent honesty? <laughs> no, we're on a po- we're on a podcast. One hundred percent honesty. I want one hundred percent honesty. <laughs> 
Um, I prepared it all practically on the day that I recorded it. Uh, I did some of it the day before, so I kind of got the overall structure of like the what I was going to the the main talking points of what I was going to do, and some unfleshed out slides. So I just have slides with text on, just a couple of bullet points on each slide, or just a heading, so that I know what I was going to do. And actually, because I was recording it, what I did was I actually I recorded myself doing the talk. Um, so my first time through was I'd written out. I got like five slides and I had big bullet points on them for the things I wanted, the main points I wanted to get across. And then I kind of just rambled around the topic um, while recording myself going through that. And then afterwards, what I did was I rewatched it. I then, as I was rewatching it, I was filling in the slides with more detail based on the things that I'd said. Oh, um, very clever. Yeah. So I uh, So then I kind of worked around what I'd rambled before and then kind of tidied it up a bit. And then... Re-recorded it again, all the way through this time, um, and that was that really. So, did you find you had a by the end? Did you have a word-for-word script, or was it just more detailed bullet points? Uh, I had no notes. Uh, I I just did it essentially from memory, but um, with the slides as well to help prompt me. I am surprised, having watched the talk, surprised that you didn't have notes, and surprised that you prepared it so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, I which I think is a compliment. Take, take that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I do, do. Perhaps it's my uh, the, the four or five years I spent teaching um, and preparing talks and essentially making powerpoints. Uh, five powerpoints a week for thirty nine weeks of the year gets you into a good habit for doing that sort of thing. So you can generally turn them around quicker. That's true. Actually, that's a that's an interesting uh, shared like transferable skill from teaching. No, that is essentially presentation. You know, yeah, I hadn't even crossed my mind that that was part of it. Yes, yeah, and I, I used to get told off for talking too much in my lessons, not by the students, luckily, but by the uh, people coming to observe my lessons. They used to say uh, that I was talking too much and I should let the students talk more. But obviously, uh, I had good practice and uh, of talking lots. <laughs> yeah, so you could tell the observers, no, no, I, I don't care about the children. I'm here to prepare myself for a future tech career. Yes, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> I will add, though, that I do spend a long time thinking about what I'm going to say. So it's not just like I rolled up the day before and wrote f- a few bullet points and then went and recorded it. I did like over the... Since I've started thinking about doing the talk and since we had that first interview with Tony um, and since it got accepted, I've been more seriously thinking about what I'm going to say. So I spend a long time kind of mulling over some ideas. And so generally before I sit down and have things written on the page, I, in my head, I will have a good idea of what I've got to say. So it's, it's not like I've not spent any time thinking about it. It sounds like I've just thrown it together at the last minute. I, I do spend a, long, a lot of time just thinking about it, not writing any notes, anything like that. I kind of just get some ideas in my head. And then that's when I do that long ramble um, of all the things I've been thinking about and then refine it more. Yeah. That does change things slightly because that thinking time is absolutely preparation and is actually absolutely part of the process. I mean, when I do, when I prepare for talks or presentations, that thinking time is always accompanied by a lot of note taking and a lot of drafts. I always like scribble and like have hundreds of markdown files for every presentation. Maybe not hundreds, but certainly tens. Um, <laughs> yeah, I kind of try and carve a talk out of like. I've got the the raw material of just brain splurge into a markdown file <laughs> and then chip away at it like I'm 
making a sculpture. Yeah, I found if I write stuff down, I just I generally just never go back to it. <laughs> if I make notes, I probably just won't look at them again. Yeah. So I've uh, learned that that's just the way I do things. <laughs> I'm like that for note taking in general, but I find the process of writing it down useful. But we've we've talked about that a lot before. But when it comes to preparation for a talk, I panic if I don't have something written down as early as possible, even if it is just random bullet points. I'll, I'll wake up with anxiety dreams, but uh, having like turn like it's the day of the talk and I'm not prepared. <laughs> I think I I think I had a similar dream. <laughs> yeah, I happen. do get it happens. I I am panicked in the last couple of days. I just uh yeah. <laughs> it's just just my process, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so to alle- alleviate that problem, I have at least like the worst case scenario like a month before the the talk if it's if i've got that kind of notice if not then just as soon as i'm as soon as i'm able i will have something that i could just turn up and read some notes off a computer screen and it would be vaguely coherent yeah Um, that's like my first stage and then it's whittling up and down from that to okay i I suppose that kind of stops you having unless that massive worry that you've got nothing at all um and if you did have to suddenly record it or something you did have something to say does that does that ease your mind a bit when you've got that first thing written down? That's exactly it. It's I mean, a lot of that will change, and will probably like the actual meat of the talk will maybe not emerge until very close to the deadline for the first performance of it. But I've always got it, it's more it's more a coping mechanism than it is actually useful. Possibly, I think it's just <laughs> like they say, it's alleviating anxiety. Um, but then I find that useful because that. Because then when I come to think about it properly and then like revisit that over many weeks, as I mean, this is never like sitting down for hours and hours and end. This is small bursts here and there over a, a long period and then a massive flurry of activity right up. Thing. Particularly, I mean, my last talk, I, I had rather than have a fixed slide deck, it was a React app that had like interactive components and a lot of stuff to step through. Yeah, I, was, I remember you were saying you didn't have enough to do at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so you can look at my, you can actually track when that conference, track when the first Future Sync was based on my GitHub contributions. <laughs> suddenly ramp up in the days before, um, which some people noticed. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you how did you come up with the kind of the well? I, I talked about my bullet points, and I, maybe I'll talk about how I came up with those in a second. But how did you come up with kind of a structure for your talk? I mean, I tend to try and talk about quite n- niche technical topics. So recently, the one that I published on YouTube last week was about the Web Audio API, and within a very like a very specific part of that, which was um, sort of delays and feedbacks and signal paths. Um, so that naturally leads like it gives you a certain structure of what are the steps you need to do to achieve this technical thing so almost like writing a tutorial or documentation content like that first draft and then so that gives me the first outline of like these are the things that people need to know to be able to accomplish this thing if they're following along so mm-hmm. there's, that gives you certain points you beats you have to hit and then after that, the second draft of it is looking at that structure and thinking how you can turn it into a story. And well, like, what's the through line that's going to go through all this? That's interesting. Um, so in yeah, so in my last the, the one that's on YouTube that you can watch now and go and watch it. I'm going to try and plug the the Jesus out of that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> get as many views as I can. 
Yeah, very few so far. Um, but it's still quite it's fun. Good. It's quite short, isn't it? Is, what, is it like 15 minutes? Yeah. It, yeah, it so it's just won't even take much time out of your day. Pause the <laughs> podcast, go and watch it, and then come back. Excellent. Do that. And, and then tweet about it and tell all your friends. And go and watch mine as well and then come back. <laughs> Mine's there a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> Shady self-promotion out of the way. Um, but for that one, there's a, like the idea of a, like creating a sound and then manipulating that sound over period. Um, and one of the hooks that I found to get me into the talk was visualising that. So I've got a little um, frequency analyzer on the screen through the talk that then charts the evolution of the sound that we're making with the tools. And having that was a good way to structure how to add things in and how to introduce new elements. Um, and also sort of gave it more of a consistent through line. Yep. It, I, th- I imagine a talk like yours where you're covering, I mean, if anyone's not seen it, it's about, it's not just, it's kind of couched in the story of your transition from being a teacher to learning how to code to being a coder but the main thrust of it like the content that you take away is useful things about learning that you know because you're a teacher um and a lot of like there's not necessarily a through line there how did you turn that into a compelling story would you call it a compelling story (laughs) i I watched it i was compelled (laughs) i don't know if there was a i necessarily thought about a story um it's interesting that you talk about telling a story i i suppose i had the story of me changing career so that that was like a a base for me to put things on but yeah i kind of thought like well i'll start off with where i was how how i learned what so like how how was i gonna even try and change career so start off with all my learning tips and the sort of learning stuff and then i think i did i did a brief bit about um kind of not just the learning stuff the the community and how i managed to get a job and have the skills other than the coding side of things and then kind of talked about what i think i i can't remember if that, that bit was quite short at the end uh where i talk about like the other side so once i've got the job uh kind of the, some of the things that you need to do to carry on uh i didn't i don't know whether this is just my my teaching coming through that it seemed compelling I, I didn't necessarily think there was a story there i just kind of thought these are the points i want to get across it makes sense if kind of the main thrust of my talk is about the learning techniques that's what i want to talk about and then i've got a few things to put on at the end but what we were always taught at school was to have uh w- at my school, we called them a starter, a main, and a plenary. So your starter a, a, would be... A, I'm sorry, a what? Plenary? Plenary? Plenary. It's like a, a conclusion to a talk, basically. It's just a little task at the end you do before you leave a classroom. How That's does what... that fit in with the metaphor of a meal, then? That seems really odd. It's just a word I've not heard before. I'd... Oh, I see, yeah. I, I, I hadn't even thought of it yeah, in yeah, terms of a meal st- before. <laughs> your starter, your yeah, main. Yeah, I was, yeah. I, was, I was 100% expecting you to say dessert next. <laughs> no, I think that would be weird. Here's your dessert, kids. Um, no, so, well, I mean, another another term for it is do now, main, and plenary. So the do now is like you start off and you get your audience engaged by something short and sweet that they can look at, which I didn't necessarily have in my talk because there was no no audience interaction i couldn't really ask anyone any questions or anything but you you kind of have like five minutes at the start and then maybe like 40 minutes is the main part of your lesson where you you get your main content across and you have another like five minutes at the end where you just kind of round stuff up and draw everything together so i I kind of had that in the back of my mind that i wanted a short little introduction a big main section and then a little bit at the end uh drawing everything together 
so I suppose through my training, I've uh, I've I kind of plonked my ideas on top of that framework. Well, it ties into the, the the classic advice given to people who are new to public speaking, which is tell people what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you've told them. <laughs> like I, I don't, I did kind of pick that up in your talk that that structure of the introduction, the the meat of what you're doing, and then a, a definite conclusion where you wrap everything up. Um, yes, make sure you. That is a really good point. Make sure don't just suddenly finish your talk. Uh, kind of round things up. Uh, ask for questions. Make sure you've got you kind of remind people what the 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 general gist of the talk was because people can get lost in the details, which is great and is what you want. But you also want them coming away like knowing what your talk was about, essentially knowing the broader ideas that you're talking about. And that's and you you also set people up for that in the in the beginning and say, oh, I'm going to talk about this and then I'll touch on this. So I did kind of explain what people were going to be expecting, so that in their heads then they can start to build that framework of what you're whole talk's going to be yeah you've got to think what people in the corridors of the conference after your talk are going to say to their friends who missed the talk they're going to say what what was that talk like what was it about say oh it was this single cohesive idea (laughs) it's what you want it to be (laughs) yes yeah and if you've if you've made that really clear at the end of your talk for example they say people remember what comes at the end and what comes at the beginning more than what goes in the middle so um if you've got a strong start and a strong ending with a clear message then hopefully that's what they'll take away from your talk even if they miss some of the detail and have to come back to it later yeah because this i think it's useful to draw have a distinction between the things you want people to remember afterwards like the you know the key takeaways that they get from a presentation and then the things that keep them entertained during it um neither is subservient to the other but they both need to be there yes yeah it sounds like you didn't practice at all well, I did that. <laughs> I did my run through. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I just, as someone who is used to speaking in front of people or doing a talk for a long period of time, that wasn't the bit that I was worried about. I was worried about, I was worried about not having enough content. <laughs> I was worried more about the content than the way I was going to present it because I felt I feel like the the presenting is one of my strong points. Whereas necessarily in this career now. The, the knowledge and the, the content of what I would be talking about are not things that would necessarily be as strong. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, I generally come around it the other way in that, oh, I think I've got something interesting to say, but can I? It's the presentation that is what keeps me up at night. Like the, <laughs> yeah. Like the delivery of that message. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the other way around for me. <laughs> mm. I don't know if you found this, but um, in a lot of conference talks that I watch, I find that people kind of sometimes rush through stuff um, and obviously that comes from nerves and things like that. But it, I, I was, it's really important to, like you said uh, earlier, um, just pause, take a drink. Um, if you you find yourself speaking too quickly, um, and if you want a little bit of feedback, Tom, last year you you did get through it quite quickly. <laughs> so. Yes, I did. I did manage to do a twenty-five minute talk in fifteen minutes. <laughs> no, I think it came in about twenty minutes, and then thankfully there were a lot of questions, so I did fill my slot. But now I've, I've, it's always been a problem of mine. Uh, every, I I try and rehearse a lot, so I will do, I will in private and in front of people if I can find people to sit through it. I will run through the entirety of the things I want to say in a single sitting. Like I'll do that many many times before the first bit the talk, before the talk is delivered for the first time. No matter how often I do that, and I, I mean for the last year's future sync, I'd maybe given that talk to ten different people. And also done it independently on my own with a t- with a watch timing myself. 
always, always, always when I get on stage, it's I get through things much faster than I really do rush. It's a real problem. I have to very consciously concentrate on not rushing through things and yet still rush through things. So it's, it's a, <laughs> you know, it's, it's tricky. <laughs> I, I have no, I have no answers. I have you have any, no answers. I was going to say, problems. <laughs> if you've got any tips. <laughs> yeah, if you've got tips and answers, tell me because I need them. Breathe, drink water, slow yourself down. I guess it's just experience, isn't it? It's experience of standing in front of people. It's not something that is necessarily something that you do very often, uh, especially in the tech world you're kind of most of the time is sat behind a computer typing away or these days we're all at home not in front of people so it's not the sort of thing that is necessarily that common but I think what you were doing sounds like it was was a really good thing to do just try and have as much practice as possible um, in front of as many people as many different people as you can Uh, it's all well and good doing it in front of your family because they'll probably be well, I'd hope they'd be uh, very complimentary of what you've done, but try and maybe do it in some front of some friends or pop on a Zoom call with some people and say, oh, do you mind if I just do my talk to you? Or if you're going to maybe a local meetup or something, like didn't you, uh, did you do one at Cornwall Geeks once? I've done a couple of talks. A mini, I've, mini I've, one? I've yeah. certainly done a talk at Cornwall Geeks. It was not in preparation for a bigger talk of anything. No, that is a good idea. Um, I often find colleagues are good. Like we, at various places I've worked, we will take an after like a like, there is a form a format for delivering presentations to the rest of the team, so that's yeah. always a good like precursor because it's a small bunch of people that you know and you can trust to give honest feedback as well. <laughs> They're not going to sugarcoat things too much because you know you work with them. <laughs> They're not going to tear you to pieces like trolls, but like yeah, developers will give you good feedback. Yes, yeah, they're they're more likely to be more honest about it than maybe someone in your family. I don't know. I find I find my my our family to be pretty brutal when it comes to giving feedback. I was talking as a listener. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, you don't want to. I mean, it's maybe the I recommend maybe the first couple of times do get a friendly face who is just going to say, "Oh, that was amazing." Oh yeah, that yeah. has value. Um, it's just almost like rubber ducking. Saying it out loud and running through it is valuable, even if you don't get feedback. And then when you're more confident doing that feedback becomes very important so i would say find someone who is going to be critical and get their input and maybe couch it like before you say say i want three things that i've done i want you to tell me three things i've done wrong in this and then do it give them license i mean unstructured feedback is hard to deal with and hard for people to come up with but if you have very precise things you want to ask about like was this point delivered properly oh at the very give someone your talk and then at the end of them ask them a question that you would now expect them to know the answer to and see if they've sort of taken that in not as a test for them but as a test to the efficiency of which you've given your got your message across yeah and and if you've if you've really hammered it home in this in the beginning and the end of your talk then hopefully that's something they'll be able to remember Hmm. but yeah i can't stress enough if you are if you feel like you're not confident in front of speaking in front of people then just try and get as much practice as is as possible before the talk in front of the mirror just record yourself doing it and watch it back it'll be the most excruciating thing you've ever done but it will be really helpful because you'll pick up lots of things that you didn't actually realize you were doing (laughs) when you were doing the talk i remember back when i watched I, I recorded the the first ever experience I had in front of a class doing like a short five minute thing. I was awful, and and it was the most horrible thing to watch it. But I learned a lot from the way I talk, my body language, etc. That I wouldn't necessarily have picked up on from just thinking back about what I'd done. 
the camera is honest. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's interesting that you said that it's the most excruciating thing you've done because all the the vibe I'm getting now is that you quite enjoy the presentation side of it and you're not worried about that. And yet because... you still have that same trouble. <laughs> yeah, well, because I had, I, I've been through four or five years of it. I, I didn't go into teaching and was really confident in speaking in front of people and enjoyed it. I, I That was something I was probably like maybe you are when you're kind of rushing your words and stuff, but... I was there having people come into my lesson and watch me once a week, giving me advice basically on my presentation skills for like two, three years before uh, you get a lot of training to become good at that job. So I've had I've had essentially training on public speaking uh, for a few years. So that's why it's something that I feel confident about. Who would know? Who, who would have known that uh, training and experience help <laughs> and practice? Ma- madness, isn't it? Who'd have thought? <laughs> Any other tips or tricks, life hacks, regards to presenta- pre- presentating? <laughs> Learn presenting. how to say it for a start, I'd say. Present- presenting. I'd just say um, try and keep, keep your shoulders back. Look up. Don't don't look down too much at the ground. Or If you've got some notes, that's fine, but try and try not to refer to them too often. Um, just have them there in your hand. Like you're saying, you can glance down at them if you get lost or something and you know they're there, but it's it's much more engaging for the audience if you're looking up. I think the advice is you look above people's heads. So kind of look look towards the back of the room if you're in a conference hall or something. Um, so then people will look feel like you're looking at them. But then at that distance, hopefully uh, you won't necessarily be able to see the whites of anyone's eyes. So, yeah, I generally wouldn't look at anyone in particular. I know that might other people might have different advice, but that's something that works for me when I'm speaking in front of uh, an audience of adults uh, obviously if i'm in, if i was in front of some students i'd be a hawk eyed every single one of them <laughs> <laughs> don't know what they'll be up to <laughs> exactly uh, I, yeah i think that's good advice but i would also say like one of the tricks that helps me when i present is i will particularly if it's a large group of people early on on when i'm on stage i will i kind of scan the audience and you do kind of a slightly make eye contact with people but at that early stage, someone will. At every every talk, this has happened in every talk I've done. There's always been at least one person who is actually paying attention and looks friendly, <laughs> and that then becomes like you have a couple. You have a couple, couple of those in the audience, maybe one on the right, one on the left, like in the middle of things. You can like, talk to them, and I find it easier to talk to one person than to just talk out loud. Um, even if you're not getting a response, it still gives you that kind of because there's someone there. Psychologically, I feel like I'm getting that feedback. Um, so that makes things flow more naturally. Yeah, that's interesting. I suppose, I guess, like we've, like you said a minute ago, it is experience, and you will find things that work for you. But I like try picking a, a friendly face out of the audience. Try looking over people's heads, see what works for you, um, and hopefully, and take that forward if you plan on doing more talks. I suppose the only other kind of hack I've got is if it's a scenario where there's a fe- there's feedback at the end, like as in que- audience questions or something from a the moderator or something um don't leave it all on i mean the advice normally is leave it all on the field go out there give it your best give them everything you've got um keep one or two interesting tidbits around your topic in your back pocket for the q a session yeah i did stuff that's maybe ancillary to your point because I'm, I'm my my process is put loads in and then cut away take things out until it's an understandable story so often there's lots of little interesting things in there that i really would like to keep in the talk but i have to cull for time and reasons or because they're just slightly too tangential 
but be have that knowledge refreshed in your mind like look at your notes of the stuff that you didn't include in the actual talk itself prior to going on um, particularly if it's an area where you're not I don't want to say a domain expert if you're giving a talk about it you're by nature kind of setting yourself up as an expert but sometimes I mean there's things like if I was giving a talk on CSS I would be fine taking any kind of questions that anyone could throw at me um, web audio I've played around with a lot so I did have a lot of ancillary knowledge but I did make sure I was up to date with what the spec was doing and there's various things that you need to know because you're probably going to be like try and anticipate questions that you're going to be asked I think that's good advice yeah yeah and another thing I'd say is to literally think what is the obvious question that's kind of come out of this and if there's not an obvious question maybe try and leave something obvious unsaid <laughs> so that someone <laughs> someone will ask it because there's nothing worse than getting to the end of a question end of a presentation asking for questions and then it just being silence it always takes a little while like you like there'll be one or two people who will have a question straight away and then once two questions have been asked you'll generally that will kind of people will get confidence or have ideas of things to say but if you can leave something out there that's an obvious first question that makes your life a little bit easier my final point would be not something that i picked up from teaching but something that i've actually picked up from tech conferences and that is um if you want to uh, make yourself uh, more well known in the tech community is make sure you put your twitter handle or website or whatever on every single slide so then if the slides get shared or someone takes a screenshot or something then it's there and people can see who the talk was by and find you easily if they want to ask you some questions yeah and if you've got things like show notes no, show notes if you've got a slide deck that you're happy to share have that available online and have the link for that available online as well have that the link for that in your presentation in a place where it's not gonna it's like it's so frustrating when something like that is on screen just for like two seconds and then is gone <laughs> um so that having like a footer with like relevant information is useful particularly for people who aren't maybe taking notes on the it kind of gives people a license not to take notes almost and actually pay attention because you know that all of this stuff is available after the fact yes well hopefully uh, if you're thinking about doing a conference talk you've got some uh tips for uh, preparing it and speaking on stage uh, there's so much more that could be said about this topic but we don't want to go on for too long obviously yeah i mean it, it's it's one of those one it's one of those topics that has a lot of depth to it um and i'd say people can like particularly in the current situation a lot of people like big in-person conferences aren't happening a lot of people are doing stuff online so record something you want to talk about get it on youtube like i've done and go and watch it go and watch it go and watch it go and watch it um, <laughs> all right calm down <laughs> but yeah do just put some stuff out there put, even if it's out of your comfort zone it's a valuable experience people will get value from it and you will also get value from having done it definitely well thanks a lot for listening make sure you check us out on twitter at aqo code and you can find us online at aqoc.dev or questionofcode.com where you can find all our contact information and ways to give us questions for future episodes yeah. If you found this useful, please share it with other people. Uh, subscribe to the podcast as well if you haven't already so that we can reach as many people as possible. And most importantly, watch my YouTube video. <laughs> subscribe to the podcast first. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.